0: That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tire.
1: Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught.
0: There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it?
2: Attack of the killer objects!
0: Pin
1: is the one and only friend Leon's ever had. The only one who doesn't care that Leon's different.
0: God, must oh, be crazy to be here tonight. I defended you. Was I dumb? You never had secrets from each other.
1: Only Pin knows Leon's darkest secret. Leon? Hello, Marsha. Oh my god. When someone hurts Leon, Pin hurts them. (laughs) When someone tries to come between them, won't let them. I don't think Aunt Dorothy will be staying with us for very long. What do you mean? might take her a little while to feel the vibrations, but I think she will. Dorothy. If you want to get closer to Leon you'll have to take care of Pin before Pin takes care of you. Is Pin a friend? Oh, Oh, please. Or an enemy? Only Leon knows. What have you done? What have you done? What am I gonna do? Pin. Some friendships
3: die hard. Hi! Welcome to yet another riveting episode of Attack of the Killer Objects. I'm your host, Anastasia, and my guest co-pilot today is Keith Magnally again. Hi, Keith. Howdy.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, I'm glad that you pulled me in for this one, because I don't mean to speak ill of, uh, What did we do before? We did Bed of the Dead with The Haunted Bed, and we did The Lift with The Haunted Elevator. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fine -hmm. films in their own way, but this is clearly a whole different sort of uh, level of movie.
3: It is. It's far better. I would wager that this is actually a good film. Right. And (laughs) and, um, there aren't that many of those in this genre where you could actually be like, this was solid acting. This was like cheaply done but well done for the budget and yeah you just this is uh it's got far more of a pedigree than say bed of the dead
0: (laughs) and it's got that classic uh canadian thing of it was only released in theaters in canada and everywhere else it just went straight to uh video so it's that sort of middle ground it's not like a super duper triple a film but it's it's sad when movies like this go straight to to video because it's a little better than that.
3: It totally is. It's definitely better than that. So, Pen, this is how this special little gem of Canadian terror <laughs> came to me. I and I think I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to be a member of a Reddit horror movie club called the reddit horror club (laughs) Hmm. and um we i started off with us watching two horror movies a week and discussing on the reddit boards with each other and then eventually two of the guys in the club started doing a podcast for it that was really just for the members because i don't know who else was listening to it honestly and yeah then i became the host later on and membership just kind of peddled over the years but so I first found this movie through that and um, probably tw- probably about 10 years ago. And I got to thinking, you know, and honestly, I've been thinking about this movie since before we started, but uh, since not before I started this podcast. But then I thought to myself, you know, this would be I think I could do this movie for this podcast. I think it could fit the criteria. I think it would be an, an interesting fit that isn't as schlocky as some of the things that I cover. And knowing that you do love your canadian cinema i had to tap you for the job
0: (laughs) yeah and it's one of those things i don't know if we're gonna give away the premise at the start or let it kind of unravel as you described the movie but it uh it sort of threw me off in a way because first off i'd never heard of this movie which is kind of nice like that's a rare treat i deliberately didn't look up anything i'm like all right let's just jump in and see what happens but then because of you know Rubber and Maximum Overdrive and whatever, you know, the other uh, movies of the oeuvre. (laughs) It really threw me off with this one where I don't know if it would have taken me so long to figure out what was going on in this movie, but I was like deliberately sabotaging myself. I was halfway through before I was like, oh, oh, that's what this movie is, (laughs) you know?
3: Yes. Okay. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to have our audience discover it as the film audience would. So like some people might know what's happening sooner than others really just (laughs) depends on yeah it really just depends on how um i guess your mindset and what you're expecting and all that jazz
0: as uh just before we even get into the movie at all i guess because i wanted to make sure i didn't accidentally spoil anything for myself all i saw was that it was called pin uh it was from 1988 and i just assumed because it you know not like i know every horror movie in the world but when there's one i've never heard of i just assume maybe it's one of these straight to amazon prime movies so i was surprised that it was old but i was glad because i love 80s movies and just from the name pin i just assumed okay haunted bowling alley (laughs) so that's what i was going in with
3: oh my god i need a haunted bowling alley movie now but i need i need it to be like killer bowling balls or killer bowling pins (laughs)
0: yeah because i mean the bowling ball could eat your fingers and then from there i'm out of ideas but that's a start
3: (laughs) oh my god you're totally right i love (laughs) it i love it or you could go the route of say like um 1995's the mangler and the thing that sets up the pins could start like eating employees
0: yeah you just have to find ways to get them in there where that's i guess where our our experience with the lift could be handy like if you find ways to get people in the elevator how hard is it to you know i don't know maintenance men and stuff climb into your your uh, engagement ring slides in you know you just find different ways for people to climb in there and
2: <laughs>
3: totally i mean we could we could give it the uh, maximum overdrive treatment and then just various parts of the bowling alley come to life
0: yeah that's true i guess it could start with some kind of haunted bowling pins or oh, it doesn't have to be bowling pins, I guess <laughs> yeah, it can be the whole alley. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah it can just small. like
3: spread insidiously yeah. to different parts. I love it. That'd be great. <laughs> if you're listening and you're a film producer, let's get on this. <laughs>
0: that's actually, I mean, I guess uh doesn't immediately derail us. But one thing I didn't realize about bowling alleys is uh, one of my friends in Vancouver had his birthday party at a bowling alley. And I didn't realize yeah. that you can just go there and hang out and drink. You don't have to bowl. So it was like oh, yeah. super fun because, yeah, they just played old like 90s music and they had strobe lights and other people were bowling and we just hung out and got drunk. It was great.
3: Yeah, totally. I the last to be fair, the last time I went to a bowling alley birthday was definitely like my niece's 11th birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I didn't expect it for an adult. But uh, the other thing let's just get way off on super tangents is what the other thing this guy did, which I thought was so clever, is he had two birthdays, like one at midweek and one on the weekend. So whichever, because it's so hard to gather your friends, especially when you're an adult. So he's That's like, true. I got two days. Just go to whichever one you like. And I was such a jobless loser at the time. I was doing nothing with myself. So I went to both. And he's like, why not? No one else knows you went to both, you sad loser. <laughs> Only I do. So go ahead.
3: That's true. And you know what? If I was in the same boat, I probably would have gone to both too.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. I loved it.
3: That's fun. I like that. Okay, so back to Pen. Not a killer... Bowling pin movie, although <laughs> that would be fun. Um, no, our titular monster, if you will, is a uh, anatomically correct medical dummy. Didn't see that coming, did you?
0: Oh, and that's the other thing right away that uh, where I was like, I, I'm clearly off on the wrong foot. Is one of the very first credits said based on a novel. And I was like, well, there's no way a movie about a haunted bowling alley is based on a novel. So already, right away, I was like, I think I've way underestimated what this movie's going to be. So that was my first clue that I was on the wrong track.
3: Okay, let's let's t- get into the novel a little bit. So here's something that's really interesting, um, especially once we start getting into the details of this film. But Andrew Niederman, who wrote the novel that this movie's based on, took over for the V.C. Andrews estate um, after her death and has been ghostwriting for her for years. So the fact that, um, yeah, the guy who wrote pen wrote, now writes for the woman who wrote flowers in the attic.
0: Yeah. It's really strange, right? Cause I looked this guy up a little and he's American. So I think we can safely say this movie is, uh, you know, a, a dual country tag team affair, but, uh, yes. <laughs> but he has a bunch of books, but there's only this one. And I guess the, uh, what's the, the devil's advocate that also got made into a movie. Are the only ones yes. i had heard of. And then, yeah, this BC Andrews stuff, where I guess he just... What a weird thing, right? Like, he just picked up... It's like, yeah, hey, my career's okay, but I'd much rather be this other <laughs> writer instead and just ghostwrite.
3: Well, from what I've read about his work, I've never read any of his books myself, but I might now maybe. I don't know. But um, I can see why he would be a good fit, because he wrote a lot of similar themes, like... V.C. Andrews famously dabbles in a lot of like weird incest and trauma in her novels that were weirdly made for teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> and he did a lot of the same type of stuff, tackled a lot of the same type of issues, and their writing styles are even just kind of similar, so I think he really was a really natural fit to take over the V.C. Andrews estate, but That should give you an idea of some of the weird stuff that we might touch on. Like, there's going to be some weird psychosexual stuff going on in in this movie, in addition to there also being killer object stuff. So, you know, let's just get into it. The movie starts off, and there are little children. Like, they're probably, I don't know, like 10, 11, 12, around there. And they're just playing outside, but they're also spying on this big mansion-looking house, and there appears to be a person sitting in a wheelchair at the top of the the top window, and it's on the top floor. Now, you know, the kids are like, I don't know, man, he never moves. I think it's just like a dummy or something. Like, I don't think that's a person. And then the other guy's like, no, I've seen him move before. And they're just arguing back and forth. And uh, then one of them gets close enough and I think he sees it move and he freaks out and they all run off. And then we're immediately flashback, flashback, flashback (laughs) to uh, earlier days of this house. And that's where we meet the Linden family. Now, Dr. Linden is played by the wonderful Terry O'Quinn, who you might know from such fair as The Stepfather, which is a movie that I'm absolutely going to cover on my other podcast because it is based on a real case. Um, he's also known as John Locke. Or maybe not John Locke. Maybe it is John Locke. I don't know. It's Locke. The character is Locke on Lost, if you've oh, ever yeah. seen Lost.
0: I only watched a bit of Lost, but it's like, oh, yeah, OK, I knew I knew, I knew him from somewhere.
3: Yeah. He has a lot more hair in this film. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was a good 20 years before, so that's fair.
0: I I do think, too, like the casting is pretty good in this movie, where there's a lot of, uh, particularly the male characters, are just weird. And everybody does a really good job of uh, getting across that they're not, you know, they're still like normal people, but... But if you met them in real life, you'd be like, there's something weird going on. There's
3: something (laughs) off about these two. Ah, totally. Um, The son, we haven't met the adult son yet, but the actor who plays the adult son is played by David Hewlett, who you might recognize from another piece of wonderful delicious Canadian horror cinema that is the movie Cube.
0: Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've seen all these people and I didn't realize where I know them from.
3: Yes, that is that is where you know these two. Um, I don't know much about the female stars of this film, but the men, I immediately was like, I know them. <laughs> yeah,
0: and what I extra like about him is he, uh, the son, he just has this like, he's pretty handsome. He's an actor, but he's got this thing where whenever he smiles, he looks like a person trying to smile (laughs) there's just something wrong with it
3: yes but I don't know if that's like part of the real actors just like whatever because if it's not it's a masterful it's a masterful part of this performance
0: yeah either he's a genius or the casting director is like you just you have a weird smile but even now as we're gonna go through their upbringing I felt like even most of these kids because child actors particularly in Canadian productions are very touch and go but I feel like Pretty much all these kids even did a good job of just getting across that the son in particular is not a normal guy. I was pretty impressed with everybody in this.
3: I totally agree. They all do a really good job. The the kids particularly really do. Like, uh, you're totally right. Because I've seen a lot of uh, older Canadian films that were definitely, like, maybe TV movies. (laughs) Right. And, yeah. Yeah. The acting can be spotty with children, for sure. But I think that's across the board. Like, whatever country you're in, children are touch-and-go actors. Yeah,
0: that's probably true. I know, I mean, I'm always, every time I'm on here, I'm always just constantly talking too much about Canada. But I think the downside to Canada is it's, you, you just have a smaller pool, and it's just kids from Toronto. Basically, everyone who's an actor is from Toronto. And uh, another thing I was just glad about with this movie is I only clocked the Canadian accent. Like... A handful of times where sometimes you just get these it's tragic it's just like these people who cannot say out and about properly to save their lives and that wasn't so much a thing here
3: you're right it's not super strong i only pick up on it a couple of times myself Uh, yeah you're right it's you know what this this movie is really unsung i will say this though whenever i look up you know i love looking up lists of 10, you know, movies you've never seen before that are criminally underseen or stuff like that. And this movie makes a lot of those lists. Um, so I'm glad that it's starting to, like, I don't know, get some recognition, but it's still very undersung. All right, so let's get back to... Uh, let's get back to their childhood of the Linden family. So Dr. Linden, the father, he is a doctor, and they don't really say mm, what kind of doctor he is because, you know, that's broad. But he's definitely... <laughs> I think he might be like you get the feel you do find out that this is a small town, the kind of town that you want to escape from. And I get the feeling that he's like a general practitioner of sorts, but that there maybe isn't like a huge hospital nearby or anything. Like he might do a lot
0: and <laughs> uh, not... the family, yeah, the family definitely has money too. so uh, yeah, it could just be maybe he is like he's the one sort of well, I guess there's they are going to like some kind of a. Uh... Uh, he he goes to some. It's not like he's the only educated person in, in the city, but maybe he's one of the few. You know, like.
3: Yeah, well, it's. I think they later like, on what you're talking about is they go out of town for like a conference. A oh
0: yes, yeah. so, that's right. Because they were going to be late or whatever, they had to drive for a while. So yeah, maybe in this town, he really is like he's the one smart doctor guy. So he's amassed yeah. some wealth. Yeah,
3: yeah. I kind of get that feeling. So you, I want to also just instill the fact to the audience that this house is. Chilly, and I mean that in the sense that these are not your warm, loving parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Doctor Linden seemingly does not know how to talk to his children about awkward things uh, without the anatomically correct medical dummy that is named Pin, which is short for Pinocchio, by the way. <laughs> but they just call him Pin because he one has thing, a very
0: and one thing that's so great about this movie is. In a way, it's kind of low-key compared to haunted bowling alleys or whatever. But Totally. But within that framework of it's, it's just a normal family and a normal house, and everything's relatively normal. But this movie keeps just kind of pulling weird things or doing things I don't expect. And I think that was the first one, when you realize that not only does he have this little anatomical doll that he uses to help talk to children through the doll, he does ventriloquism, whatever, but yet the doll's got a huge boner. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah, They do keep uh, a towel over his um, member, if you will. Um, but yeah, he's anatomically correct. Um, so we realize that, yeah, the doctor doesn't know how to talk to his kids like a normal guy. He's very kind of cold. And the mother's know better. <laughs> like the mother tell, tells Leon at one point in the film, like he brings home a little friend. She calls his friend dirty and basically is like, you can't have him over ever again. So, because she's a neat freak, she doesn't let her children have a normal life. There's plastic all over the furniture, like the house. She, you get the feeling that she's one of those moms that like follows you around with a dustpan and like dusts up your every footprint.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did know a kid when I was young who had parents that did that. Uh, you know, keeping the the covers on all the furniture thing. And I did think it was really weird at the time, but I got to admit, now that I'm older, I'm like, you know, I can see the upside. Like it's a lot less maintenance. If you just.
3: I get the upside of it, but at the same time, do I have to take those off every time I want to be comfortable on my couch? Because, you know, the plastic's uncomfortable and sticky and hot.
0: Yeah, it does kind of defeat the purpose of having this stuff at all. But I guess, well, or like my mom has this one room of the house with the one fancy, you know, uh, couch but then it's like we got to make sure none of the animals none of the pets go in there or whatever so it's like no one can use it anyway basically yeah, just having fancy furniture there's no good way out i guess <laughs> you
3: know? i don't think there is like i remember having a conversation with my mom about that you know she was like well we don't want to let the uh we don't want the cats to tear up the furniture and i'm like oh, i get that but i also at the same time feel that if you have cats don't get nice furniture.
0: Yeah, furniture's meant to be ridden into gonna the ground. Scratch
3: it. Yeah, just <laughs> let it
0: let it fall apart. It's, it's a better life that way.
3: Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's more real that way. Like, it's just furniture, guys. Come on. But anyway, so... They're that type of family. ha <laughs> Um And there's some key interesting scenes here. They don't spend a lot of time with them super young. But I guess, like... We see them super, super young, and then we see them at around maybe like 10 or 11. And that's when we just, that's when um, the little girl, the sister Ursula, brings home a magazine that uh, her friend, uh, I guess, found from, do you remember how they, how the friend came into the magazine?
0: I think she stole it from her brother's closet or something, you know, these nice pre-internet days where it was like precious gold you found oh my god i found a dirty magazine
3: (laughs) yes i should mention the magazine is a porno mag um yeah so and this is a wonderful little scene they're both like laying or sitting in bed like next to each other just like hanging out and the girl is the one that's like fascinating fascinated by this magazine she's like do you think mom's boobs look like that (laughs)
0: yeah and this is where I love too with the son uh what's his name Leon
3: Leon yeah
0: that uh yeah this is the first really clear indication that uh uh, well kind of what these two people are like is that the daughter is a a normal person (laughs) that's the tragedy here is that she's just trying to be normal where the brother he not only is he totally not interested in this magazine but he can't stop talking about pin the anatomically correct doll he's like I wish Pin could live with us. I want Pin to be here. And it's like, and I, I think it's interesting that they, they make it pretty clear that while the daughter is, you know, sexually interested in all these images, you kind of infer that maybe the son is sexually interested in the doll. <laughs> you know, it really feels that way
3: or romantically
0: or whatever, something like that.
3: I think he feels like the doll was his only friend.
0: Yeah, that too. Yeah
3: um i kind of get the feeling that leon's like almost asexual especially as the film goes on because he had there's a there's a scene later on in the film where he has a chance to uh have full-on sex with uh the very girl who gave his sister this magazine just when they're grown up and uh he is not interested in her at all he basically just you know gets off gets gets her pushes her away and starts talking about fucking PIN!
0: <laughs> well, I guess I should say, too, about PIN. This is, like, the first stage of the contortions I went through to, like, deliberately misunderstand this movie. So the <laughs> way the way the doctor uses this doll, basically, is, you know, instead of... If the kids have to do something like, uh, you know, give a blood sample or something that might be unpleasant, instead of the doctor saying it, he just uses ventriloquism to have PIN say, oh, don't worry, it's okay, you know, talk to the kids... But the movie, like, I don't think the movie was trying that hard to trick me because they do kind of show a close up of the dad's mouth. And it's very clearly supposed to insinuate that ventriloquism is happening. But I was like trying to be too clever for school here. And I was like, oh, no, they're just doing that. So I'll think it's ventriloquism. But I bet Pin really is alive somehow. Like this was the same year Child's Play came out. I was like, ah, I, bet, I bet the dad's like a voodoo doctor and he put someone's soul in this doll or something. And there really wasn't particular evidence for that. But I kept that idea in my brain way too long, where I kept thinking the movie was trying to double-triple-cross me.
3: <laughs> Excellent. I love that that was the experience for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's where it's so, good, yeah, not to watch trailers and stuff. Like, I had no idea, so.
3: Yeah, totally. Trailers can work against films in a lot of ways especially if they reveal too much which i feel like these days they definitely do
2: yeah, but totally. anyways
3: yeah so because they kind of start having an argument the kids um the the son i don't remember what she, the daughter says to the son to make um leon slap her it's definitely he about
0: does. pin like she's she's because uh i guess that's i think she do. calls
3: him oh i know what it is she calls him a dummy
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, because that's the thing, too, that just keeps growing and growing. At this point, it's only a minor problem, but uh, it's just basically that the daughter is very aware that Pin is just uh, an anatomical dummy and that it's ventriloquism that makes him talk, where the son, Leon, you know, when he's very little, it's like, oh, he's sort of tricked. He thinks Pin's real, but hey, you know, probably believes in Santa Claus. It's not so weird. But as we keep advancing through them getting older and older, it's like the the sun just never catches on. So at this point, he's this is the first evidence that he's like, if you say bad things about Pin, I think you're saying that about a person who is my friend. So he gets really mad about it.
3: Yeah, he slaps her. And it kind of reminds me and my audience will know that I can't not bring up American Dad as often <laughs> as I do. I can't help it. Um, but there is an episode of American Dad where Roger the Alien uh, plays a ventriloquist dummy. Um, like Steve, the setup is Steve is doing a talent show and someone like puts something in his drink so he can't sing because on the show he has a great voice. So he can't do that. So Roger offers to break out a retired character of his, which is a ventriloquist dummy and uh part of the the funny thing that i'm getting around to is um steve does the same thing here and refers to roger as a dummy and he immediately slaps uh, steve and says what did you call me a what you don't use that word i am an articulated keseo maquette (laughs) (laughs) uh so that's that's i got real real american dad vibes here um Yep, so then the mom comes in, and they kind of hide the magazine behind their back. And she's like, what do you have? And she sees this, and then this prompts the talk. And the mom's not given the talk, of course. Dr. Father is. And Dr. Father can't possibly do this like a normal human. So he does it through Pen, <laughs> Of course. And, by the way, Penn's voice in the movie is very creepy. It's yeah. like this... This really like gravelly, slow, uh, quiet, calm thing to it. I can't do it justice, but it's weird.
0: <laughs> that is pretty similar, though. I think that is part of it, too, that is kind of like that, that neat kind of ambiguity is that clearly his voice is sort of meant to emulate, you know, somebody talking without moving their, their jaw, you know, like a ventriloquist thing. But at the same time, it's obvious that no one is talking that way it is someone just talking but they're sort of doing it in that way but that's neat too because again if you're if you're on my uh my stupid wavelength of, like, I think Pin's an actual real person. It does kind of <laughs> let you keep things ambiguous for a while.
3: It does. Um, I, I, I like the way that they kind of wink at the camera, and you can do what you will with it. But, yeah, so they, you know, middle, 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 they're telling you about sex. And my favorite part of this whole thing is eventually the doctor looks at Leon and was like, and, of course, through Pin's like, Now, will you remove my lap <laughs> and Leon's like, mm-mm, no way, I'm not, mm-mm, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but the daughter, of course, is like, I'll do it, and she immediately pulls the towel off of Leon's penis. And the first thing she does is such a normal, natural little kid reaction. She just giggles.
0: Pulls it off, pin? You mean you said Leon?
3: Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, this my movie's God, gonna get.
0: It's going to get weird enough that, yeah, it's, it's not that weird yet. Although speaking yeah. of that, was this before or after, I think this is after um, Leon comes in to talk to Pin, because they also, the dad says, hey, don't talk to Pin when I'm not around, because obviously, you know, he can't do the ventriloquism when, you know, he's not around. He doesn't realize, though, that uh, Leon believes in Pin so much that he, he goes in and talks to Pin all the time on his own. But then a nurse comes in. And this is one of those moments, again, where this movie just jumps way further than you expect it to go, where this nurse comes in and locks the door and basically uses the pin doll like a giant sex doll dildo, while poor little Leon is like hidden in the corner watching. And, you know, if he was already asexual or whatever, now he's like actively repulsed by the whole idea of sex. Like, what are you doing to my friend Pin? Yes,
3: yes. Because, yes, Leon is hidden behind the privacy screen that patients, like, change into the nightgown or the gown or whatever in. And he's just quivering there, like, watching this whole thing happen. To him, his friend is getting raped by this nurse.
0: And it's one of those things, too, where, like, if that happened in Phantasmagoria or something, it wouldn't be that weird. But because this is a relatively normal movie, it, like, changes the stakes of how weird things feel. So when stuff like that happens, it feels super weird. And you're like, man, I can't... Like, that happened to me a bunch of times in this movie where I'm just like, I can't believe that just happened. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Yeah.
3: The first time I saw this, I did not expect the nurse to full on just like... And you know what? She doesn't even do it in a normal... The way that you would assume. I mean, she puts the doll on top of her instead of getting on top of the doll. Right. (laughs) I feel like that's just a weird way to masturbate. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I also there's a in that scene you see um there's a moment there where you see Penn's you know eyes and his head is is turned in just the right way where it looks like he's helplessly staring into Leon's eyes
0: yeah that's another cool thing about this is like uh, obviously it's not expensive to just have an anatomical doll be a prop but it's still the kind of thing that could have gone wrong if I don't know I don't know how. Like what Pin, if Pin didn't look just the way Pin looks, I feel like this movie wouldn't work as well. But there's something so creepy about that doll.
3: Pin is deeply creepy um, because he's a, you know, he's a teaching device. He doesn't have skin. He is, uh, you can see his muscles, you know, so he's, you know, his skin is basically clear. Is what I'm trying to get at. So if you've seen a medical textbook, you know what I'm talking about. So that's the way he looks. So that's already a little unnerving. But yeah, you're right. That does happen a little bit before they have the the whole talk. (laughs) So now it, it goes forward and they are teenagers now. And Leon's like, maybe he's at school and there's some graffiti that basically insinuates that his sister is a slut. I should go back a little bit. When they are looking at the magazine, they or maybe it's after the magazine, after they've had the talk, they're talking to each other and she goes, do you think mom and dad have the need? Like the need for sex? Because the dad explains it like very logically, like, you know, you have a, the thirst for sex, like you have the thirst for water because the human race must live on. <laughs>
0: Not the worst way to describe stuff, especially if you're in this weird waspy family, (laughs) you know? Like, it's sort of like... Very waspy. Yeah, and it's like, because that's probably kind of how he saw it, too, of like, yeah, you know, me and your mother obviously did this a couple times, but, uh, you know, we didn't make a habit of it. It's just a need. Sometimes you have to do
3: it. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like, yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, one, two, we've got two kids, never touch each other other again. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, she's asking Leon, do you think you think mom and dad ever get the need? And Leon's just like, well, yeah, we're here. <laughs> but he's just so uninterested in the whole talk. And meanwhile, Ursula's like, I think I'm really going to like the need. I think I'm going to be good at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, again, that's like the tragedy of her character is that she's just normal. She just wants she's to so be normal. She's so normal.
3: Yeah. <laughs> she's like, ja- she's so sex positive. It's great. Poor girl. <laughs> Leon finds her making out in a car with some dude and uh, he basically like assaults the kid. He pulls the kid out of the car, you know, is like, you know, get out of here. <laughs> and he makes her tell, you know, he's like, you'll never do this again. I don't want a uh, slut for a sister or whatever, you know, it's, you know, he's awful to his sister basically. And then he also, she, Oh, well, she tells him, you know, that she's pregnant and he f- flips and then is immediately like, you know what? Let's go tell Penn. That's his first thought. Let's tell Penn. She's like, um, why? Yeah, this
0: is where it really gets weird because, yeah, again, like, I feel like uh, Santa Claus is a good example thing of, like, there's always those kids that all the way up to, like, maybe they're 13 and they still are not all the way on board with Santa being fake. Like, there's always that one kid who's a little behind the times. So up to this point, you're like, maybe Leon's just that kid who still hasn't put it together. But at this point, they're full-on high school teenagers. And, yeah, he's still very much believes as i did as a viewer (laughs) that Pen is alive
3: (laughs) yeah so you know whatever so she goes along with it and they talk to pen and pen's like tell your father the doctor is a a man of medical science he'll understand blah blah blah
0: Yeah, here's where too, where my my uh, contortions got extra weird. Where I was saying how even though they pretty clearly infer that the dad is using ventriloquism, I was like, no, 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 movie's trying to trick me. In this case, it's clearly Leon is making Pin speak, but he is unaware that he's doing that. He's like, you know, doing the ventriloquism talk under his breath, but he thinks it's Pin talking. But it's totally unambiguous that Ursula looks right at him, looks at his mouth and says, when did you learn how to do that? Like she is, she totally tells him and the audience, this is ventriloquism. And yet, I don't know what the heck my problem was. But again, I guess just because I assumed this was going to be, you know, more of a traditional haunted object movie. I was like, wow, this movie is really trying to trick me, isn't it? (laughs) But it was trying to tell me what was happening. And I was like, no, no, Pin's real. He's got to be a real guy somehow. (laughs)
3: you were in the audience you were you were leon for a bit
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely i was really which i guess is kind of kind of neat in a way it's kind of a neat way to watch the movie
3: i think so yeah i also went into it completely blind and although i think by this point i fully knew that Penn wasn't alive i definitely bought into it a little longer than um than maybe some people did
0: it took me (laughs) so long that i was starting to really question the the (laughs) sort of uh the structure of this movie where I was like, man, they really should have dropped some kind of hint by now about like that the dad has a a voodoo spell book or something. Like how when are they gonna explain this? But they don't meanwhile
3: they've it. been hitting you over the head with hints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um they go tell their father and Pops performs an abortion on Ursula. And you know the way the father is. Like Oh, that must have been so traumatizing for her, because I really hope that he wasn't talking through pin while he was performing on her, like while he was doing
0: it. I think this was the dad, you know, because the dad's not as weird as Leon ultimately proves to be, but he's Uh certainly not normal. And I think this is his crowning weird thing to say, is he's already doing this clandestine. You know abortion on his daughter but he says to leon like hey do you want to stay and watch it could be instructive and leon to his credit is like no i'm gonna just go you know
3: thankfully thankfully leon knew that there was a line there (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i don't yeah i don't know that you come back from um watching your dad perform an abortion on your sister that's uh that's a lot
0: (laughs) and i guess that's one thing too that's kind of interesting too is uh you know, it it becomes increasingly creepy as we go through the years that Leon still so fully believes Pin's a real person and talks to Pin about his problems and Pin's his only friend. But at least at this point, Leon's not a bad person. He's just, uh, you know, he's got schizophrenia or something. He's crazy. <laughs> so he's still yeah. well-meaning, like, through Pin subconsciously or whatever. You know, he, he says, hey, we got to go tell Dad. We got to sort the situation out. So at least he's... Uh, a well-meaning, nice, crazy person. He doesn't want to watch his sister's weird abortion, <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah, I mean, he could have, like, I don't know, not called her uh, a slut so many times. But, but you know, beyond that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's certainly, I guess he's not the nicest person in the world. He's already slapped her and beat up a kid at school. You know, yeah,
3: he's, he's starting to get
0: a little weird, but he's not the worst yet.
3: Yeah, he's very protective of both his sister and Penn. Those are the only people that he's close to, because he's not at all close to his parents. They're so weird and distant. So now let's fast forward. They're around 18, right? I guess at least Leon's 18. And Dr. Linden has come back to retrieve some case studies for a speech. And he sees Leon having a full-on conversation with Penn. And this is the first time he's realized, oh dear, Leon has some severe mental issues.
0: Yeah, and this is where, uh, as I had to recontextualize the first half of the movie, this was a big one where I was thinking like, Oh, no, he's concerned because Leon has discovered his dad's evil magic. Like, at this point, I don't even know what I thought was happening. I was almost getting a little frustrated because I'm like, I just don't even have a clue what's happening. How come they haven't given me any information about what's happening with (laughs) him? So then I looked back at the movie after, you know, it was only about another 10 minutes before I figured out what was going on. And I'm like, oh, that's actually way better, like way more down to earth, but way more disturbing of like, you realize that who knows how many years this has been going on, that your son has been sneaking into your office and, you know, pouring his heart out to this anatomical dummy that he still thinks is real. Like, that's really creepy.
3: Yeah, totally. Dr. Linden, I would say, does not handle this situation properly. (laughs) A proper way to handle this would be to take his son aside and maybe address the issue head on. No, instead he takes pen and says that he's going to use it for a visual aid speech. And with Leon in earshot, but not knowing that Leon's in earshot, he's like, I'm never bringing this doll back. I'm gonna leave it at the hospital. That was a wrong move. (laughs) That was not good for Leon in any way, shape or form. Anyway, I'm not sure why the mom is going on the conference. Maybe she looked at it as a vacation, but she goes with him in the car and they're running late so they are speeding and the doctor is looking back in the window the mirror a lot i guess pen has fallen in such a way that he is obscuring some of the view and before we know it they have crashed
0: Yeah, and this was where uh, what's the guy the director of this sandor stern <laughs> i feel like again i don't know how much he was actually trying to trick people or if i was just tricking myself but i feel like he would have been proud of himself if you saw how much of this got me where the mom it's like oh why is this pin doll in the back seat you know how much i hate it and then as they go around a, a turn really quickly it makes the doll sit up so yes. that there's this creepy doll in the back seat that helps distract the dad that leads to the eventual crash so they really like if you want to try to believe that you know even if pin can't move maybe he if there if pin was alive you know Maybe he is just subtly manipulating events, but now he's just a dummy. But but yeah, this all I still was completely on the wrong <laughs> trail here. So you you did it, Sandor. You got me.
3: Well, you know that's the funny thing. If you think about it, that's sort of how when you're watching this, and even when you're watching the trailer, especially they set that scene up to make you think, oh, Pin caused this wreck. He is alive. That's the way the trailer sets it up. Like this scene is shown in the trailer and they're like the sinister voice over the you know, the voiceover guy's like,
2: He'll do anything to protect Leon <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so I think if, I think it plays out well there. Um, so it's like after their their, you know, funeral, I guess, and they're just kind of like walking around like little lost kids in the house. And this is a nice scene because it's the first like actual freedom that they've had from their parents. They, uh, you know, Leon's like, "Let's get this plastic off this furniture. (laughs) Let's live normal lives."
0: Yeah, which is great. Um, Like the movie is pretty clearly split into kind of two halves: the half with the parents and the half with just the two kids alone. And this is where I finally started it started becoming more clear to me that like, oh, that's okay. What this movie actually is, it's not a haunted doll movie. It's this poor sister who's a normal person is now trapped in a house and they've got money and they don't necessarily need for anything. She's just living in the mansion with an increasingly crazy person. And that's where I'm like, oh, this is genius. This movie's so much better <laughs> than what I thought it was.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, Sandra Stern, you mentioned a minute ago, the uh, director of this it's not the first time I've done one of his movies on the show. He's also responsible for Amityville 4. Oh,
0: nice. <laughs> the,
3: the Evil Escapes, which is a haunted land.
0: Yeah, see, this is another guy. I mean, like, I just briefly looked him up. But yeah, he's, like, been around for years and years. He's done dozens of movies. And just none of them are really that famous. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's... He's he's had a huge career. I guess that's... The weird thing is a. Uh, Have you ever heard of the band Youth Brigade?
3: Brigade? I have, yes.
0: Three of his four sons formed the successful Los Angeles hardcore punk band Youth Brigade. (laughs) That's like, really? (laughs) Weird.
3: That's interesting, and that's a fact I would have not known. That's fun. That's a fun fact. So, as life progresses for them, post-parents, Ursula's having a normal life. She's getting out there, you know, you find that she was not that promiscuous in her teens. She's got like, you know, she just was being a normal teenager. She uh, has a steady boyfriend now. She's, you know, getting ready for, you know, she's doing college and stuff and, you know, totally normal life. But you get the idea that Leon spends most of his time in the house with Penn. By the way, he retrieved Penn from the wreck.
0: Yeah, oh, and there's also, I mean, they kind of, this sort of goes by real quick. This is the kind of thing I feel like they probably dwelled on more in the novel. But they did initially have, like, an aunt, because they can't just have these kids live alone. So the aunt comes to kind of look after them. And Leon just hates having this extra person in the house. He just wants it to be him and Ursula. So he basically just, it's a little bit of a suspect kill (laughs) that this would actually work. But the aunt has heart problems. So he uses Pin just to scare the shit out of her one night and she has a heart attack. And that's when I absolutely like the jig was totally up because they don't even pretend now that Pin did it. They just show that it was just Leon, you know, yeah. holding this doll over her bed at night to scare the heck out of her.
3: Yeah, she he's just right behind the doll, like hiding. <laughs>
0: So that was the one part of the movie that I did feel like, again, it's probably more drawn out in the novel, but it's like, oh, the aunt's here and 10 minutes later, she's dead. OK, get her out of here. <laughs> but...
3: He, I mean, Leon is not chill about this at all. He's like visibly annoyed that she's there. And even in the hallway after she's gone to bed, says to Ursula, I don't think she's going to be around here very long. And, he, and then Ursula's like, what do you mean? And he's like... I think she'll uh, feel the vibrations pretty soon.
0: Yeah, and it's a good, I guess, like, dipping your toe into, you know, he didn't actually directly kill anyone. I don't know that he even knew it would kill her. He maybe just wanted to scare her to get her to, to leave. But he certainly was not bothered that she did have a heart attack. He was just glad that she was out of his life. So he's he's very rapidly, especially with his parents gone, now becoming. It, like, reminds me of, I read a book once about, uh, like, dukes and stuff in ancient England, where, mm-hmm. you know, you have you come from a family, you're the sixth in the generation, you got enough money that you can just live in your weird Duke tower. But then some of these people would develop mental illnesses, but they could just be crazy and ask for crazy stuff. And <laughs> that's what this reminds me of, is just this guy's in his big house and he's got money and he's going more and more nuts. And what's anybody going to do about it? And poor Ursula is just there.
3: Yeah, she's just... And you know she loves her brother she does she wants him she deeply wants him to like be more normal and have a normal life like get out of the house once in a while touch grass man (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know he is deep in his delusions at this point so much so that after after the aunt dies you know ursula by the way is working at the library that's where she meets her athlete uh boyfriend stan but Leon fits like either clay or latex or something over Pin's face to make him look like he has skin.
0: Yeah, and that's another perfect example of like they just hit it just right where it does look like something he could have done on his own. It doesn't look like a movie prop and it doesn't look so it looks kind of chintzy and cheap, but it doesn't look silly. It just makes him look more scary and more creepy. (laughs) Like what the hell is this?
3: Oh, my God. Once he gets skin and a wig, he's so much creepier.
0: (laughs) And again, he's wearing his dad's suit, too. Like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on with the parents being dead of like they're obsessed with uh, the mom's cleanliness. And now it's like, hey, now we can pour, make stains on the, you know, on the table and just do stuff. Whereas it's less direct with the dad. But the suit thing is just like, again, what does it mean? Who knows? But it's not good. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I mean, Ursula's visibly visibly upset by this. She's like, I don't like that you're dressing him in Dad's clothes. Hmm. And he's like, whatever. Hi, Pin. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and Pin will, like, sit at the table with them when they eat. Because he's, again, so full in the delusion. And um, he actually, he fashions a wheelchair so that, you know, Pin can just, I guess, be around wherever. Just, like, wheel him around the house. Easier to carry him, I guess. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that comes up a lot is, uh, you know, that, that Ursula is always just doesn't want Pin around, doesn't want Pin at the dinner table and stuff. And it is, it's clearly like, you know, Leon takes it as, why don't you like Pin? What's your problem with Pin? He's been our friend our whole life. But, you know, it's clearly really Pin is just the symbol of when this doll is here and it's talking to us, it's just so impossible in that moment to ignore her brother's mental illness where at least if the doll wasn't there, you know, she could at least pretend. But it's just like right in your face of like this situation is crazy. There's something very wrong with my brother. And she just doesn't know what to do about it. But it's like, man, if we could at least not have the doll right there. But he's just so he so believes that this is. And if you looked at it from his perspective, it's like, yeah, if Pin was their their weird doll friend that they've known since they were little kids, why are you being so mean to Pen? What did he ever do to you?
3: Ursula is to the point where she's like, I want to bring Stan over to the house. I want to introduce him. You know, let's have dinner. Let's be a normal family, please. And she's like, um, I don't think he's ready to meet Pen. So let's not bring Penn into the situation for the love of God. <laughs> But of course, Leon can't leave it alone. Uh, you know, they have a more or less normal conversation when he's first there. Leon is actually even trying, you know, a little bit. But then while well, I guess she goes to check on dinner, he's like, would you like to come meet Pen?" Because of course he does. He can't leave it alone. So Stan comes in and he's like, oh, hi, Penn. Nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Um, you know, he gives Penn, uh, you know, some chocolates. He's being super nice to Leon basically because he loves ursula
0: <sighs> and is it at the same meeting where where leon reads him from his poetry
3: yes, yes God it damn. Is.
0: this is amazing like i feel like if you hired a thousand people to write a more awkward awful <laughs> poetry reading scene you couldn't top this like this is another one of those things of like the nurse fucking the doll and stuff. I'm just like, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. This is so insane.
3: Yeah, because the poem kind of <laughs> insinuates that he might want to maybe fuck his sister.
0: Yeah, because it's like, so it's like, I guess the classic, like, just bad writer. Like, a person who's a bad writer who doesn't realize they're a bad writer, but is way too enthusiastic about it. But it goes so far beyond that. So, yeah, he's like, okay, uh, I'm not, you know, my, you know, just whatever, my cooking and stuff, that's my... uh my, avocation. Vocation. Yeah, yeah. my vocation is writing. So he's got this epic poem in the style of Beowulf, which already strike one. The guy's, uh, the character's name is Testes, strike two. The mm-hmm. character wants to live forever through uh, spawning as many progeny as possible. Awfulness, strike three. Then mm-hmm. he starts reading this thing. And yeah, he's like, oh, this is the first time that our hero Testes has ever Contemplated rape, and then he's like reads this annoyingly written flowery stanza where he realizes he either has or was about to rape his own sister. Like on every level, it's the most awful thing I've ever heard in my life. And it's like this it's is so bad. Andrew Niederman. I might have to read some of his books. He might be a genius because it's like how could you write something? Like you have to be a good writer to write something that bad. <laughs> it was like that's <wow>. true.
3: <laughs> Yeah, you can't uh you can't just produce a steaming pile of shit that good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's and it puts uh the boyfriend his name is Stan, I think. Like he's already in an incredibly awkward situation with the this pin thing. And then they pile the poem on top of it and it's just like holy fuck <laughs> like, what is he supposed to say?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's awful. So, Leon um, after this whole thing, doesn't trust Stan, by the way. This does not help his feelings towards Stan, he thinks that Stan just wants Ursula's money, and um, that they're just gonna like stick him in a home or something. And he's not down for that, so he calls Stan over in the guise of discussing a surprise party for Ursula. And you know, he drugs Stan like not long into him being there. And Stan does fight back, but it's not enough. And he drags Stan's body and like hides him in a woodpile. And then you know, when he do- when Ursula doesn't hear from him. Later on, he's like, oh, you know, I, I, he called earlier. He's sick. and uh, Or no, he's visiting a sick friend out of town. Uh, you know, he'll get back to you later. And she's like, mm, I smell bullshit. something <laughs> the too
0: where I feel like this is this kind of thing that if I ever see the book around at a used bookstore or something, I'm totally going to read it. But I got to watch this movie again, too, because there's just so many little there's so few characters, but it all intertwines so well. Of like, there's something going on with, I mean, the Pin name, the Pinocchio name. And, you know, the the little joke that they used to make when they were kids is his nose never grew because he never told a lie. You know, Pin's the guy who will always tell you the truth. But at the same time, since Leon is Pin, he can't lie for shit. He just doesn't know how to do it. His lies are terrible. Plus, he says crazy things that can't be real and doesn't realize that he's doing that. But they also tie in the parents where it's clear that uh, Leon learned the dosages and how to drug someone through his creepy doctor dad, but then when it goes wrong and he's got this guy's blood and bludgeoned him and stuff, it's like, hey, didn't your mom teach you anything useful? You know, Pin tells him like, clean it up. So it's like, oh, we got the dad, we got the mom, we got Pin. Like it's all tying together.
3: I love how he chastises himself through Pin's voice.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: we can't lie for shit. Didn't didn't he learn? Yeah, you're right. It's great. He's so far gone. But Ursula knows for a fact that he's been there. She sees the gift that she gave Stan.
0: Yeah, it was like a, a watch, one of those nice 80s watches that makes the yes. little... She hears it go off and realizes she his hears, coat was there.
3: Yes, she hears the alarm on it go off and is like, Stan, where are you?
0: And that ties into the cleanliness with the, the mother thing too, because then she sees this little faded stain on, on the carpet where Stan had been bludgeoned. In a normal house, maybe you wouldn't notice, but in that house something happened because there's not supposed to be a stain there
3: yeah exactly and So she starts screaming and leon is like what have you done what have you done and she leaves out of the room and she comes running back in full tilt with a double axe
0: oh well also yeah like that's the other thing of just the the extent of of leon like where this is where the buck is totally up but he's still like he still just has no conception that Pin's not a real person because his first thing he says to try to lie about it is Pin did it. I wasn't even home. Yeah. Okay. Something happened to Stan, but he got in a fight with Pin, which again is just like that, that classic, you know, cause I've got like people with mental illnesses in my family and stuff. And yeah, they just say things that, that they just say it like it's normal. And that's, that's like the peak of Leon. Being that way is he thinks someone could ever possibly believe that when there's not a single thing about pin killing somebody that makes sense on any level but he believes
3: yeah. it yeah oh and let's let's back it up a little bit because i did leave out that scene where he invites Marsha over you know he's trying to sort of be normal and he's like making out with her and then she starts to take her shirt off and she's presented him with her bosom and he is just so uninterested. And he he brings. There's a sound that she hears, and he's. She's like, "What's that?" And he goes, "Oh, that's my friend Pen. He's staying here. Um, he might try to come in." And she says, "Why would he do that?" Uh, and he says, "Well, he's done it before." And I, I that's great because it's it's just his psychosis in such a clear way. But he does end up chasing. Ursula through the house with Pen in a wheelchair, scaring the ever-living bejesus out of her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the way, I don't know, the way I kind of think about it, because it's so hard to understand somebody with that level of mental illness where they just fully believe things that obviously don't make sense. I was kind of thinking of it like, you know, when you have a dream and all kinds of weird stuff is happening in your dream, but you just think it's normal. And then when you wake up, you're like, man, it's so weird that I couldn't figure out that was a dream because none of that made sense. That's what I feel like it must be like If you have that kind of mental illness or schizophrenia, it's like weird stuff is happening or you're claiming weird stuff is happening, but you just can't can't make that leap to realize that none of this makes sense. It's like you're just in a dream all the time. It's kind of the way I sort of think of it
3: yeah it's it's very real for them inside of the psychosis absolutely that happens anyway back to the you know climax of the film here ursula comes at leon with this axe and then the screen goes white and we're not we're not sure what happened and then it comes to cops all outside of the house and the police have found stan's body and he's still alive and they're like i can't believe it you know and then it fast-forwards in time some, and Ursula and Stan are at the house, but they clearly, some time has passed. They clearly are not there, like, living there or anything. They've come just to visit Pen. Now, Ursula tells Pen that she's going to go on a trip with Stan, and Penn goes, or Penn asks her if she's heard from Leon. And this is Leon, sitting in the chair. After, so Ursula acts as the medical dummy. She kills Penn. And as a result, it's like Leon dies because all that's the only side of his personality that remains is Penn. So he is literally sitting in that wheelchair like Pen, with like weird makeup on to look more like Pen, a wig, just looking out the window. And, you know, Ursula tells him that, no, she hasn't heard from Penn. And Leon says that, or Pen, Leon as Pen says that he misses, <laughs> says that he misses Leon terribly. And then, you know, it all ties back in. You learn that the kids who were staring, were staring up at Leon as Pen out the window at the beginning yeah it kind of
0: reminded me of that final shot yeah because it's like the kind of cool weird you know sort of surprise surprise with a lowercase s ending of of leon has now become pin it sort of reminds me of the end of uh, sleepaway camp except the end of sleepaway camp is like this big shock of like oh no you know you realize right away like oh this this person we thought was a girl is really a guy i know that holy crap where this one it sort of took me a minute where I had to think about what happened, but then once you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, that does. If you know, if you're as crazy as Leon was, yeah, that does kind of make sense. That if somebody had to die, <laughs> you know, if Pin, like his, he's been Pin his whole life, basically. Ever since he was a kid, he's been talking for Pin, and Pin has been subconsciously talking through him. It's not so crazy that. He's like traumatized by seeing the doll get destroyed to the point that he just takes over as pin. It's like kind of believable and super creepy.
3: And sad, too, for Ursula, especially because she's lost. Essentially, she's lost her only family member left.
0: I'll give the movie credit that I was very glad that uh, Stan wasn't dead, (laughs) you know, because like it's very easy to just oh, let's just kill characters here and there and whatever. Just willy nilly kill them. It's nice for somebody to not be dead for once. I, I enjoyed that.
3: I agree. It's nice that, that he's not dead. <laughs> Let's get it. I know that our uh, my questions will not be normal. Well, the answers won't be normal. <laughs> um, quite on track. Let's go for it. Have for best kill.
0: Uh, I guess, I don't know. So yeah, it is so tricky with this movie. Because uh, there's very few actual people that die. And yeah, it's certainly not the same as like having the haunted elevator cable come down and <laughs> wrap around someone's neck. It's, you know, it's so different.
3: I think we could also add in just the attacks that happen as well. So go with that. The attacks and the kills. What do you have for the best violence I, in the film?
0: I mean, I guess I would go with Stan toward the end because like he he drugs this guy who's like quite a big, you know, athletic dude. But he he just and it would have been enough. It would have been fine. But he just can't. Just leave him there. He has to start saying creepy stuff to him of like, uh, you know, this. Uh, you thought you could take all my sister's money, which, of course, that's not what he cared about. He didn't even know the sister had money. The, the sister didn't know he had money. She had money. You know, it's just another one of Leon's crazy things. But he had while this drugged guy, he already knows the brother's super crazy, but he just didn't expect it to get to that level. Like, imagine yeah. being him in that moment where you're trying to stand up while this creep with his testes and his <laughs> epic poems is talking all this crazy shit to you. And, oh, man, how awful.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with him creepily chasing Marsha through the house. Yeah. After <laughs> after he, you know, like starts to have sex with her and then pushes her away and starts talking about Pen, Chasing her through the house as Pen Top level derangement.
0: And how it's almost like normalized because, yeah, the sister comes home and is like, what the hell are you doing? So it's obviously crazy to Marcia, but to, to Ursula, it's not so weird. She's just like, you know, he's done stuff like this before. It's, you know, kind of par for the course for this guy.
3: Yeah, like, well, at least you're fine. <laughs> uh, so what about worst? What do you have for worst?
0: I mean, I'd have to go with the aunt because, again, I just felt like uh, that's one of those little, I don't know. I feel like I might have even just sort of, if I was writing the movie version, maybe just skip right past the aunt. Like there's a certain value to showing that Leon's becoming increasingly willing to endanger people but the uh you know the heart attack death is so uh it's one of those things like does that really happen that it feels very like a weird movie thing you know
3: right like can you really get scared to death
0: (laughs) yeah it's pretty pretty tough I'd say I mean pins creepy but is he that creepy?
3: I don't know that he's that creepy. I don't know if this was the dad or the mom's brother, but surely she knew about the doll, right? right? Yeah, I agree with you. So who do you have as the best character? Yeah, that's...
0: I, I, it's you hard, know, I, right? I think I'm going to say the dad. I just really liked the dad. Because, yeah, again, he's like, he's, he's not the worst dad, but he's certainly not the best dad. And yeah, just like that he always, you know, like, cause, uh, cause Leon obviously did a lot of crazy stuff and said a lot of crazy stuff, but the whole movie is about his mental illness where the dad is a normal guy and yet he just can't have an interaction with anybody that's not weird (laughs) in some way. I really liked how they wrote that guy. He's good.
3: You know what? And I, I, I actually agree with you, but I would also say that I think his weird, like cold in a being in a, it just it completely unable to talk to his children is actually just so normal right it felt it felt really real
0: <laughs> yeah even just a little stuff like you know that uh, the kids when they were little have to call him sir and stuff you know like it's uh, it doesn't make for a pleasant home life but it's also you mean that does happen there's people like that it's not so I guess it's I like that too with the dad that it's like a little seed that they planted that like maybe it was more likely for leon to develop mental issues because he comes from weird people but it wasn't so obvious that it's not just like well the dad was crazy so the kid's crazy like it was a lot more subtle than that
3: totally um all right so who well uh, all right worst character
0: <laughs> hmm worst character again a poor old aunt sorry auntie but yeah just sort of an unnecessary appendage to this movie <laughs>
3: Yeah, I agree. I can also make an argument for Marcia just because, like, you almost feel like there, if she's such close friends, she's the only friend you hear about of Ursula's. There's no way that she doesn't know that there's something kind of wrong with Leon. It almost feels like she's taking advantage of him a little bit.
0: Yeah. And actually, you know what? Maybe, you know, I could maybe go with that, too, because even just as a performance it was really strange. Not a great
3: one. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: very uh, antagonistic right away. Of just like, of just I mean, maybe she's already just was fed up with Leon by that point in the evening. But she's like, all right, I'm willing to sleep with you, but you're gonna mess up my shirt. Let me just take my top off and just like, mm-hmm. well, aren't we gonna do this now? It's like, wow, how, uh, how attractive.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's very romantic, lady. Um, you're really putting me in the mood now. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, funniest moment.
0: Man, I mean, it's either when they first reveal that Pin has an erection and that the nurse bangs Pin, or it's that maybe, or it's that that uh, Testes poem. Because both those times were just like, I had to stop it for a second and just, just stare in wonderment like, what, what just happened in this movie? Like, what the hell?
3: Totally. Um, I'm going to go, I, I'm actually going to go with the Ursula when she's a child saying, I think I'm really going to like the need. I'm going to be good at it. <laughs> yeah. She's just like so jazz about sex. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads up, leaves us with most what the fuck moment. Mm.
0: Yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a repeat, but I just, maybe I'll go with testes. Like, I just love that stupid thing so much. Cause it reminded me of, uh, in my apartment in Toronto, we used to have just, I don't know where it came from, but we had a copy of the first game of Thrones novel and a uh, story of fire and ice or whatever. And every once in a while we would just pick it up and read part of it out loud to each other to make each other laugh. Cause like, if you ever tried to read game of Thrones, it's a really long-winded bs about like oh and he ate of the suckling pig and it ran down his beard all this crap
3: um yes George R. R Martin loves to vividly write about food I've I've read all of the Game of Thrones novels <laughs>
0: <laughs> well this kind of reminded me of that of just like like just like I wish I had that guy's poem I wish Andrew Niederman was like wrote that as a side piece of just like how crazy <laughs> can this thing get because just that little piece that you hear is like wow that's incredible of like and it, and it sort of hits that nice level of of this guy has a lot of problems but he's not just completely divorced from reality he can sit there and write stuff but what comes out is going to be something that no one else on earth would have (laughs) written it's just like whoa yeah that i've really i don't know maybe it's just because i've been struggling myself to like write a novel or whatever and it's just like like that's the it's almost like your worry like what if you write a thing that you think is good and then people read it and they are an asshole like I was to Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, just someone says a dick about it. And they're like, look at this bullshit. This sucks. And like, so maybe that's why that gets me so deep. Is like, Wow, this sucks. This guy's writing is beyond shit. This testes poem. What the hell? So I just love that part.
3: I, I agree with you. I wish I could find uh, that somewhere. Maybe I can, but I, I haven't found it so far. I might have to do deeper uh, Googling. Um. <laughs>
0: I think it's going to be great, too, where, I mean, I haven't been to a big city since COVID, but I assume used bookstores still exist. So next time I'm in, like, Montreal or Toronto or something, like, it's going to be a great thing. Like, it's fun to have, uh, like, a goal when you go into a used bookstore, just something to look for. So, I mean, the pin novel is going to be my thing. Like, sure, I could just Amazon it. But just someday, years from now, I'll probably just find it somewhere. And it's going to be so exciting to read it.
3: You'll have to let me know when you magically find the dusty 80s uh, paperback of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: do a book club edition.
3: Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, so I'm obviously going to go with not just the fact that the nurse used Pen as a dildo, but as I re- I'm reiterating what I said earlier, that the way she did it was particularly what the fuck <laughs> like poor pen looks like he i mean he fully looks like he's being raped he's just looking helplessly over at leon that was a very what the fuck moment in this movie
0: <laughs> i guess too if you're the type of person who's willing to because it seemed like she kind of did this semi-regularly if you're willing to have sex with a anatomical doll who knows what your techniques are you know?
3: That's fair. She. This was probably not her first rodeo with Pen. Poor Pen, systematically assaulted by the nurse.
0: <laughs> yeah, Pen. Pen is the real victim in this movie.
3: <laughs> I mean, really now.
0: <laughs> Just hated by everyone, you know. In a, tossed in a car to be taken away and then, killed with an axe. Jesus. <laughs>
3: Yeah, poor Pen. You didn't deserve all this.
0: See, this would be oh man, wouldn't that be great too? Instead of this like thoughtful, interesting, well-made movie, to just make Pin Two, where Pin really is alive, <laughs> just make a piece <laughs> of trash.
3: Oh, and he would have to be like stitched up like Chucky was in Chucky
0: Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what was the thing in Child's Play Two where it's like they pulled off Chucky's hand, so he just uh, stuck a knife in the stump and taped it on. <laughs> like, yep. You could just do yep. crap like that.
3: But you know what's fun? That's almost a callback to Evil Dead 2.
0: Yeah, that's true.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know what's you
0: know. sad, too? If you made, like, a really schlocky pin too. Like, again, you were saying how this movie is, like, so obscure. Because, yeah, after I watched it, then I started looking things up. And there's a very small wiki page, a very small IMDb. And it really does just come up on these lists of 10 movies you've never heard of. So if you made a terrible pin too. It would probably be more popular and more famous if it was just on Netflix. And then people would go back to this movie and be like, What's, what the hell's going on here? This is a good movie.
3: They'd be like, wait, Penn wasn't alive in the first one? That's <laughs> yeah. weird. It
0: would, be, <laughs> it would really throw people off.
3: It would. Because they would be like, wait, when do we realize he's alive?
0: <laughs> oh, And just imagine how awful it would be in Pin 2 if he really is possessed and ambulatory, but he still has a big boner the whole time. It would just be the oh worst my. movie ever.
3: Oh my god, he's just walking around with a perpetual boner. Oh yeah. that would be that would be the real terror. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Penn. That's a wrap.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, thank you for telling me about this movie. <laughs> you know?
3: I mean, it seemed right up your alley. You were the man for the job for sure. It's actually super
0: Interesting, too, where uh, one of my little things I've been working on, like a side book when I get too stressed out by my novel I'm trying to write, I've got a little side one that's kind of like a Lord of the Flies thing, but it's these two kids that get trapped on an island, and I decided I'd have it so they have plenty of food. Instead, it's about one of the kids going crazy, and it's kind of based on my brother basically is undiagnosed schizophrenic. It's a whole thing, but it is just two people stuck on an island, so it's very similar to these two people stuck in the house. And it was kind of neat because I was a little worried writing this story. I'm like, is this too boring? Like, are people not going to get what's so terrifying about, so one of the kids is going crazy? Kind of, who cares? I mean, they're not in physical danger. (laughs) So this story kind of, it's nice because it kind of reinforced to me, like, no, this is plenty scary. This is more than enough to be creepy.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm happy to help you upon your uh, side novel journey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, instead of giving you a thanks, uh, in the book I'll say for pin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Amazing. You'll know okay. what it means,
0: though. You'll know that's I, really for you.
3: Yes. Okay, so, all right. Please plug various endeavors and then we will uh, bid the audience a farewell.
0: Yeah, so I guess uh, com just has links to all my stuff. I just have different little podcasts and crap. I wrote a, a book about the video game The Last of Us, which now that's relevant because, uh, I mean, it was so semi-relevant before, but it's way more famous now than it used to be with the HBO show. So if you're curious about uh, a way too long book that's just a free, it's, you know, an EPUB PDF, whatever, it's just on my website for free. And man, do I talk about The Last of Us a freaking lot. So if you like The Last of Us, you could check that out.
3: Sounds good. Did you watch the show?
0: Yeah, it was really good. They, I mean, it's. arguably the first and only time a video game property has been good (laughs) as a movie or TV show.
3: I tend to agree. Like Some of them can be kind of fun in a schlocky way, but I think it's the best one that really is well done and faithful to the property. Yeah, it's really
0: interesting where at first even, I almost felt like the show was better than the game story at first. It really started off well, but then it starts getting I won't get into all the details, but it does start getting a little weird toward the end. Like there's a really, you know, controversial, weird ending to The Last of Us that is a lot easier to swallow in the video game because it's a video game and we've watched Joel kill like 300 people. It's like not that big a deal for him to kill people (laughs) where I felt like in the show, man, people who never played the game must have been like, what the hell just happened? He just went Rambo and everybody, you know, some of it didn't is weird. It's like. But it's not bad, it's just different.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you there. That must have felt very out of left field for people who didn't play the game. I feel like that must have also felt, like, episode three must have also felt out of left field for people who didn't play the game um because they don't even touch on what happens in episode three much in the game you just like read notes to find what happened and it's mentioned in passing that they were lovers or whatever
0: yeah yeah Um, it's very different where that's uh it was weird too coming at it from the two sides where it's like the tv show version of bill is clearly better but because i was used to the game i was like oh man we didn't get to go have adventures with Bill, <laughs> like, in the
3: game. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I feel like oh, some of, like the stuff you do with Bill is mostly, like, Fetch questy. Yeah. So I, I feel like it was a better way to handle Bill, actually. Definitely I mean, doing it in, t- in TV, anyway.
0: What I think is going to be interesting, too, is, like, obviously these people who made the show are extremely good at what they do and did a great job, where uh, the second Last of Us game, I won't give away any of the stuff that happens, but it's extremely divisive. And it's literally half the people like it. Half the people don't. And I'm in the half that didn't. I thought it was kind of half-assed and poorly written. So I'm interested if the show is just going to do that or if the show people are going to be like, no, 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 let's rethink this because maybe, you know, video game stories aren't always good (laughs) because I hope that they take their time, I guess I'll say, to get to the events because two kind of I don't even know if they can do the second game because Ellie's older and the actress isn't older. So hopefully they just do something else, you know.
3: Well, I know for a fact that both actors will be back for the second one, but I think there might be it might be a few years before we get it maybe.
0: Yeah. So and again, I, I mean it, it's going to be better regardless even if they just make the second game as a show I, I trust those filmmakers enough that it's like well they'll do a better job but yeah, yeah last of us 2 all i'll say is it's weird it goes some weird places
3: fair enough i do know that they are going to also split the second game into two seasons
0: yeah that makes sense because it's also yeah it's long who has a long game
3: mm-hmm. all right well anyway thanks for being my guest yet again keith
0: Sure. So I guess this is the weird thing, right, is uh, someday when I make it back onto the rotation, it's probably going to be about a haunted bowling alley or something. It's going to be tough to top this movie. <laughs> <You> know, this-
3: <laughs> um, I think the next time I have you back will probably be for us to talk about the remake of The Lift
2: oh, yeah, with that's Naomi true. Watts. That's because I finally destiny.
3: found it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I found it on Amazon. Down is available to watch now. That's probably what I'll have you back on for
0: cool well there's a it's that could easily be better right right? let's keep hope eternal (laughs) keep hope alive
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely well all right everyone um we will be back for another riveting killer object film (laughs) next episode uh until then stay creepy
2: attack of the killer objects is edited written and produced by anastasia bird that would be me aotko theme was created by me as well with free use music and clips from the following films Killer Sofa, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Amityville for the Evil Escapes, and Rubber. The outro music is They Come at Night by Shane Ivers courtesy of SilvermanSound.com Our website is linktree forward slash attack of the killer objects there you can find descriptions of all of our episodes as well as our merch store we have apparel and accessories for all ages check it out and if you enjoyed today's show be sure to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app of your choice until next time